I love the moments we shared honoring our mothers today. Thank you, Miss Jane, for your encouragement and prayer. I want to share my gratitude to my own mom, who in the early 1970s released me as a university student to come all the way to Africa for a year of ministry. Back in those days, it was a long, long way from home. And at that time, I didn't understand the great steps of faith she was taking alongside me. Mom then accepted the young man I met while here and after Bible school, blessed me to return with him to Kenya as a new bride. Never once did she or my dad discourage our call. They made our desire to obey God easy, even with their grandchildren. That initial trip has now turned into almost 50 years since I came to Kenya. And I want to say thank you, Mom, for the amazing gift of cheering me on to follow Jesus and do His will. I also want to recognize the wonderful team that joined with me in presenting our series on mirrors. Pastor B, Miss Rosie, Sir George, you each brought a strong, timely word, and I'm extremely grateful for your involvement and investment. Today, I'm going to be concluding our series entitled Mirrors, and I want us to start with prayer. Father, help me as I seek to share what you've put in my heart today and grant each of us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin by reading our key verses one more time from Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. As we go through the message, keep in mind, every time we are reading a scripture, we are looking into the true, accurate mirror of God's word. In regards to Satan, never forget, he is the curved mirror. He is the one that distorts God's truth. And throughout the sharing, let us consider how well we are reflecting our great salvation. I challenge us not just to glance, but inspect closely even the hidden things of our heart. My task today is to finish by focusing on the final phrase and not frightened in anything by our opponents. Before we can consider not frightened, we have to first identify our opponents. So in the days when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church, it was being oppressed by the Roman government, the pagan population, and false teachers who had infiltrated the Christian circles. They were under constant persecution and hardships from the outsiders, as well as they had to battle the enemy seeking to oppose them from within. One Bible scholar said that they were being opposed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. I was blessed because in my own study, I had also come to the same conclusion. However, I had it down to two main opponents. However, one has two heads. That's Satan and carnality. The dictionary defines Satan as the adversary of humanity. Many of us have the impression that it's only when we enter salvation that Satan becomes our adversary. But this is not true. He is the enemy of 
every human. Listen to what 1 Peter 5 says. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Many of us, myself included, had the mindset that it was hard to stay saved because once saved, we now had this new enemy. The truth is before we are saved, he is already our enemy. But since we are under his dominion, we don't perceive him as the adversary we are shackled to. Satan is unveiled as our opponent when we are freed from the kingdom of darkness and enter into God's kingdom of light. It's when we become born again that we finally begin to see him for who he really is, a thief, a liar, a destroyer. We learn that he, what he does against us and how he operates by cunning and deceit. The next opponent is that two-headed foe coming out of one source, carnality. Carnality has two definitions, and the first is a preoccupation with or indulgence in the flesh or the body and its passions and appetites. Romans 8 from the Amplified makes it plain. The mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to Him. The next definition of carnality is this. It's the state of being merely temporal or worldly. It's a lack of spiritual vitality and maturity. Matthew 16 says, For whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose his eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here, for my sake shall find it life everlasting. Luke 8, 14 says the seeds that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow to maturity. The believers at Philippi were facing some tough challenges and Paul wanted them to grasp how solid and firm their salvation, their spirit, their mind, and their relationships with one another needed to be. I think we're facing the same opponents more and more because society around us is declining. Adversity, persecution, pressure, ungodliness, they're all on the increase. Therefore, we thank the Lord for the clear charge to not be frightened. I found this term not be frightened as an interesting choice of words. Frightened can mean afraid, but it's used mostly as fear that comes suddenly. Other translations say, don't be intimidated, terrified, or alarmed. The Greek word here is likened to startling horses in a stampede. It's describing a panic reaction. Paul was telling them, hey church, keep steady, don't lose your head, and do not bolt when you're frightened. I think most of us can identify with reacting to a sudden shock or sudden bad news. 
We can quickly want to give in or give up, become abrupt. We get upset with God or someone else. We imagine the worst and our emotions start galloping off. Next, our mouth, our actions, behavior and choices, they run wild, but in the wrong direction. Paul told them and is telling us, no, don't let this happen. Listen to what Proverbs 3 verse 25 has to say. Be not afraid of sudden fear. And Proverbs 24 10 adds, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. These verses have kept me steady in times when I have felt overwhelmed. When scary situations, crushing news or unexpected hurt, even confusing circumstances, when they take place, it's easy to react with despair. I've had to look in the mirror and tell myself many times, Amy, you cannot faint. Why? Because I'm persuaded that even though my strength, my strength is small, because of Christ in me, I need not give in to fear or fright of the adversary. I depend on God whose strength is more than sufficient. Isaiah 40 encourages us, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on eagle's wings. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In this year of renewal, may we choose to find new strength. The trick of the enemy is to try and catch us off guard with a temptation to be unkind or mean through gossip, a self-centered aspiration, a craving, a lust. So how do we stay on guard? 2 Timothy 1, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Then the phrase not frightened goes on to say not frightened in anything. Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine or nakedness, danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in the whole of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We realize this has been an especially hard season for many. Some listening today and others who we know of have gone through serious difficulties and loss during this long and unusual time. Let us be reassured, nothing, no thing, not anything can separate us from God's love. Even in the toughest of times, we can still be more than conquerors. God never said we would not face difficulties, but he has said that we can go through them confident that he is with us. This is how we are to conduct ourselves, church. This is how we live a life worthy of the kingdom and the salvation we are a part of. We are prepared to remain standing firm. 
to be united in one spirit with one mind, to stay committed to each other side by side and determined not to let our adversary gain an advantage over us through fear or fright. As I bring this to a close, I believe the Lord has impressed me to address something in particular in relation to our topic, but I feel it needs to stand alone. So with a mother's heart, I share this today. I believe the Holy Spirit desires we hear it clearly. Heaven and hell are both very real places. Each of us will face God's final judgment to spend eternity in one of them. It is our assignment and desire to see as many make it to heaven as possible. In fact, I have a specific word for someone, perhaps more. The Lord says He sees you and He sees your frustration and discouragement. You have wondered at your sincere efforts, yet repeated failings. You have even cried out in the dark of night. My final thoughts are for all, but they come from a burden for those struggling. I want us to look into the mirror together for just a few more minutes. In case you aren't aware, the world in which we live is quickly losing its moral compass. Even some who call themselves the church are reinterpreting, misinterpreting the scriptures in accordance with today's twisted worldview. I want it to be clear. This is the work of the adversary. This is the work of our opponent. This so-called church and these so-called Christians are distorting God's words. And the reflection of this deception, it's being shaped into a false image of another Christ. God forewarned us of such in Galatians 1. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Second Timothy 1. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. While we acknowledge there is a COVID pandemic, we need to also face there is an evil spiritual pandemic taking place. Backsliding is the number one fear of many believers. They are afraid of backsliding because there is a side of them that really does want God, but they want Him on their own terms. And guys, God doesn't make deals. I recognize it because I too was guilty of this. We look at our failure to overcome our weaknesses as Satan's fault, the guy over there. But in most times, and the fact is in most times, it is not the guy over there, but the old carnal man, the guy still lurking in here. Please listen. To overcome the fear of backsliding, we have to be willing to face and relinquish carnality. 
Some are swallowing lies and deception. They're misapplying the grace of God, strolling down this wide road and desiring a soft life. Others are truly desiring to become stable, dedicated believers, followers of Christ. So you need to know that God doesn't do everything for you, but He always is there beside you, empowering you. Here are two keys that are nothing new, yet they are necessary to become renewed. First, and we've been hearing it over and over, learn God's word and obey it. James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Second, work out your own salvation. Philippians 2, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the fear here is talking about, it's a positive fear. This is the fear we're meant to have. It's a fear of God. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out His good purpose. Working out salvation demands honesty and transparency with ourself first. For we cannot deal with what we won't face and admit to. Then we deal with God. We get real about our true condition. We do not work out our salvation to receive God's love and forgiveness. We work out our salvation because we have received His love and forgiveness. Finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if need be, do it today. Make a fresh start, learn the way, word and obey it. Work out your own salvation. I love you guys and can't wait to see you next Sunday.